0: Hello and welcome to Girls That Invest. Today's Monday, which means we're bringing you Money Confessions, a weekly series where you tell us your deepest, darkest money secrets or hot takes. You're joined today by Sim and Sonia, two best friends who have a lot to say. Let's get into it. Hey, Sonia. Hi, Simran. I have a really interesting money confession that has come up. It has been posted on the World Wide Web, so this was not one that was sent to us, but it's something that I really want to chat about because it's something that I think a lot of us are feeling and something that is kind of like saddening to a degree. But before we get into it, how are we? How are we?
1: We are good. It is spring in Toronto, which I feel like a local Toronto weather girl when I talk to anyone but from back home. But yeah, it's spring. The sun is out. I've experienced my first Canadian winter and in conclusion, apparently this is the warmest winter that Toronto has had. I'm just not built for it, you know, just not built for it. And that is okay. My DNA was not built for this. And I don't think that's a bad thing to admit.
0: That you don't like the cold? Yeah. You're really brave. Thank you for saying that. I'm so brave
1: right now. I am not your Canadian gal that you thought I would be.
0: One thing that I find is such a financial flex is people that have, like, heated driveways oh in Canada and, like, <laughs> the snow will melt and, like, melt on the driveway and so they don't have to, like, shovel things. Like, I think that's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to, like, get that built in, or, like, $50,000 at least. That is, like, I saw a meme and it was, like, a photo of one of those and then the caption was, if I win the lottery, you won't know, but you will see clues. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I've seen those videos as well. I feel like that should be a norm though in suburbs eventually to a certain point because I'm so lucky I live in an apartment so I don't have to think about that stuff, but it takes a lot of time. Like, my friend was at a house sit and it took her like 20 minutes just to shovel snow off like the front steps so she could go like out onto the street and it just doesn't seem like the life that I want to be living. So.
0: It's not. And sorry, please, I just want to correct myself. It is not $100,000. It is like $25,000, but it's still a lot of money. So cheap. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. So So cheap. Such a deal. (laughs) I want to talk about this confession. I'll get straight into it. And I want to know your thoughts. I just don't understand what being wealthy is anymore. Please pardon my ignorance, but I've been trying to wrap my head around what it means to be wealthy nowadays in Australia slash Sydney. I own a two-bedroom apartment that cost me around $900,000, and houses in my suburb are worth around $2.6 million. When I go on a walk down the street, I see so many houses with so many fancy cars out the front, and I wonder how people have so much money. I've been in my career now for 10 years, and I've hit six figures by my second year, that's honestly amazing, I just want to jump in. I'm in the top tax bracket for about two years. I drive a Mazda, I own a two-bedroom apartment, I have a modest savings rate of about $5,000 a month, and the only debt that I have is my mortgage. I consider myself extremely lucky and very well off. But it's this disparity between those with the houses and fancy cars in my suburb that just really makes it hard to reconcile. How do they do it? Was it just luck or timing? What even is considered wealthy? How do people on $60,000 to $100,000 even afford the basics? I'd really appreciate it if you could help me reconcile this. It's not so much I want what they have, but more so trying to understand the gap. Thank you oh this is a good one okay do you mind if i jump on this one go for it i have a lot of thoughts because i for a small amount of time felt this way and so i now that i've come out of it it was more like a passing thought i had one day but i like had a long deep think about this and the answer in the simplest terms is generational wealth like we look at people like I was writing my book and so I went on like a nice little holiday. It got like a little lake house Airbnb. And the two houses next to me were extremely large. And one of them was an open home, which I didn't go to, but then I heard that it sold for eight million dollars. And it just kind of took me back because I was like, wait, I'm sitting like I'm I have an Airbnb in a neighborhood where the homes are eight million. Like who can afford that? Like what kind of like I'm sitting here writing a money book. I don't think I'm ever gonna be able to afford a eight million dollar house. And I'm very nosy. So I overheard the like realtor talking to the person that bought it and they were like chatting and they introduced their name. Mm, this is really bad. And then I Googled their name because I overheard it. And it turns out they were like a partner at a huge firm in medicine and they owned like multiple practices around the country. So that was one thing. And then the other people that were talking, like the other neighbors, they were like, oh, yeah, like they were old people and they were like, yeah, my husband's like parents bought this house like 50 years in, you know, prime. And that was my answer. I think when we look at people that have extreme levels of wealth, we're assuming that they started where we started and they've done better than us. Like we're assuming that they had the same, like, upbringing and started the same field and had the same opportunities and had the same network and yet they still did better and I think that is such an unfair thing to put on yourself because that's not true like if someone has a 2.6 million dollar home and a Porsche and they have a job that makes a hundred thousand dollars a year it's not their job that is covering these expenses or has paid or they're like luck as as this person has alluded to More often than not, it's just that they were born into a lot more privilege. They had parents that had bought these homes prior, they had grandparents that had unfortunately passed away and given inheritances. And I just think it is such a disservice to yourself to let someone else's like financial position make you feel bad about yours if you are already doing so well for yourself. Like if you have your own place. It is worth almost a million dollars. You live in Sydney. You have a stable job. You've been making six figures since your second year of working. Like, I don't want to be like, okay, I'm going to be a little bit harsh here. You're doing really well for yourself and to like discredit what you're doing because someone else has more. You'll never truly be happy because there will always be someone that has more. Mm. And that's a really scary place to be in.
1: I completely agree, and I think this is the problem when you hold so much weight, like with external validation and what other people think success is and what your success means to others, you really need to internalize that for yourself and ask you the question, what does success mean to me? Am I wealthy to me? Because it's different for everyone, and I know people say that, and I know Like some people think it's just like a hippie way of like thinking, you know, defining what success is to you, but it's super important because otherwise you're constantly going to be chasing goalposts and you're never going to think that you're doing enough. Like you are doing incredible. Like what you've just outlined, what this person has outlined, they're insane, like goals to be hitting and someone else is looking at you and thinking, wow like how did they do that like what do they do you know all these people are having the same thoughts that you're having about other people about you so I think just remembering that and taking the time to give yourself your own flowers and recognizing your own achievements I think it brings up a very important conversation and like important questions that you need to ask yourself and like when will it be enough Sometimes you just feel really stagnant in life and you've hit a goal and then you're like, okay, what's next? I don't know how you stop running or chasing.
0: Think about it. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible, with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple. Increased revenue, expanded reach, and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today.
1: You know, because sometimes people have done like inner work and inner healing and they know very logically that they are successful. Like, when do you come to peace with the fact that you've got enough?
0: I think this is something we should all do. Like, if you're listening to this, ask yourself, just take a moment and be like, what's enough? Like, if you could put a dollar amount to it. How much is enough money where you go? If I reach this, I'm actually good. And I think, like, for a lot of people, that's a $100,000 salary. And then they get a $100,000 salary. And when you make that kind of money, you're probably working around people that maybe make $150,000. Maybe your boss makes $200,000. Like, when I was, you know, starting off in my first job, I thought it was a great job. And then I would always park my, like, Suzuki Swift next to like two very expensive Audis and I would always see this like visual reminder I don't know why it like got to me but I was like oh like my bosses make so much more money than me like that's something to I think I'll be happier when I have that and then I think now I probably make like what they make but then you would like if I'm not careful enough I might start going well now I've like been exposed to more people and meeting more people that have more than me like I have friends that own like multiple sports cars now and my Suzuki still doesn't like well, I guess I have a Mazda now but like my Mazda still will never compare and so you've got to switch it off like you actually have to stop comparing and that's just been so helpful to me because you'll never have the most money in the world like unless you're the richest person on earth which I don't think any of us are striving to be you'll always look at someone else and go how did they do it what am I missing out on?
1: And I think you also have to understand that it's like a continuous reminder that you need to give yourself. Like, I feel like you can journal and you can have all like these practices to ground yourself and root yourself and like logically, you know, that you're blessed and all the good things, but sometimes those thoughts creep back up and... That's fine. It's part of the human experience. I think a resource that I just want to throw out there is that TED, like, you know, TED Talks, ideas worth spreading, (laughs) (laughs) TED.com, they have a lot of playlists. (laughs) And there is literally a playlist called What is Success? And in it are probably like five, it ranges from five to 20 minute talks of these people just talking about their own experiences. One, that really stood out to me was Should You Live For Your Resume or Your Eulogy by David Brooks. It's five-minute chat or like Perspective Is Everything by Rory Sutherland. I'm someone who likes listening to podcast episodes and videos and playlists like that, so I would start there with the work that you do, you know, after asking yourself
0: the questions. What does success mean to me? One of the comments that was left on this post that I was really a big fan of was, this and someone said you never get to see other people's debts only what their debt buys and that just was so phenomenal to me because it is so true like it's in the same way that like social media shows people's highlight reels people's things shows like a highlight reel of what their money can afford them but it doesn't show us like what their financial situation really is like yeah, if you buy a car outright in cash or if you just get a car on the loan no one knows like no one knows until you tell them and the difference between those two people is one might like look really poor but like be really financially sound the other might look really wealthy but has like three thousand dollars of i don't know car loan repayments because they bought like a ferrari and that's amount of money that they could have used to like invest elsewhere and i just think It's the same thing Like you don't want to compare someone's highlight reels in the same way you don't want to compare what someone owns because you don't know what they owe either. And if I could look at someone's lifestyle and go, oh, I'd want their Ferrari. But then I look at how much they like pay each month for that Ferrari. Do I still want that car now? Probably not. Yeah, completely agreed. Also,
1: I don't know if this is a hot take on it. I don't think it is because I say that and then the stuff that I say is so tame. (laughs) But you know that side of social media and they talk about slow living and living on mountains and living on farms and living in vans and tiny homes and – I think it started off as like a good positive movement, but you also have to understand that there's still some level of generational wealth and privilege involved for people living those lifestyles and getting out of the rat race. Like there's this one girl who is prime cottage core has like a million subscribers and she lives on this really beautiful mountain and come to find out that it's her father's land. And she's like, Oh my God. Yeah. And it's huge. Mountain in Colorado, and like it's beautiful, like beyond beautiful. And she was just really selling, like, why are we in a rat race? Like, we need to (laughs) live slowly. Like, just think about what you're doing when you're thinking about climbing up this. I don't know why I'm talking like that. I'm so sorry. And like climbing up the (laughs) like corporate ladder, like, come to find out that she doesn't really need to worry about particular things like rent, like mortgage, like building this tiny home on her father's land land which probably will go to her or like her siblings you know what I mean so it's like yeah look my parting words for this episode if you take away anything is that you really cannot rely on other people's definitions of success for you to live your life or like you really need to internalize validation and like your own success because it just it never works like I don't think you'll ever be happy was constantly looking at other people.
0: I think all it takes sometimes is a reset to remember where you started. Mm. For most of us at some point in our lives, there are things that we have now that we really wished for. And those can be as basic or as extravagant as you want. But to compare your financial situation with someone else is to assume that you had the same upbringing the same experiences the same mental state the same people around you and that you still like did not get ahead if i look at someone that has made so much more than me not to say like there are reasons and therefore like i like self soothe because i didn't have their privileges but there's just like why like why compare i'm either, i'm just going to feel crappy or i'm going to like get into Like hustle mode and get sad either way like as long as i'm doing better than what i was doing that's all i can ask for
1: agreed beautiful words
0: thank you should we like start a podcast with our thoughts (laughs) that's a great idea what should we call it girls that invest wow honestly i have a question for you before we wrap up this is like the end of like episode like if you stay this long you can hear this do we regret calling it girls that invest no Sometimes I'm like, did we make this too girly? No, no, no. Say it with our chest. I would call it Girls That Invest. I would call it Girls That Invest. Yeah. And if you've stayed this long and you have a money confession that you want to share and you want our hot takes on, send us a DM or email us at hello at girls that invest.com and you may just be featured in next week's episode.
1: Until next time, Sonia. Until next time, Sim. Bye. Bye and as always to finish off with our disclaimer girls that invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs we are not financial advisors the advice from girls that invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision advice from girls that invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances always do your research and please use your due diligence